Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Hope Rising. The best is yet to come. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. What's up? Good to see you guys. Uh, I just, I want to just, first of all, welcome all of the campuses and just look into the, the camera there and welcome them. But also I want to speak about the wall moment. This morning, as I was walking through the worship center, I walked down the, the sidewalls and I didn't even know I was going to do this now. So bear with me and I, I hope to keep it together. I saw all the names that you wrote, but so many of you here at Central Campus anyway, wrote Benji's dad. Thank you. Thank you. I can only imagine what, what could happen now if, if so many people are praying for my dad and praying for all the other names that are on this wall. And I'm going to be spending time in here walking up and down these walls and praying. And the campus pastors will be doing it at the campuses as well. And I just want to give it up for Sanford campus. I'm talking about Columbia campus, North Raleigh, Garner, NCCIW, the internet campus, the Kenya campus, the coffee house campus. Come on, all of our campuses, all of our campuses celebrate one another. Hey, I, I got really good news for you today. And, and here, here's the really good news. I'm not preaching. <laughs> and you know, just think about this for a moment. You know that if I'm going to have a speaker up here during an epic season like Hope Rising, this brother must be good. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I'm going to introduce to you my good friend, Joe Sangle. And some of you have read Joe's books. He has authored many books. But let me just tell you a little bit about Joe Sangle. He is from Indiana. And in fact, he said earlier when we were worshiping, and I'm sure the same can be said at all the other campuses as well. He said, where I'm from, what you call that is shucking the corn. We were shucking the corn up in here this morning. Well, here's what I know. He's going to shuck the corn when he preaches. He's from Indiana. He moved to Anderson, South Carolina in 1998. He is married to Jen with three kids. He is the president and CEO of Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. And I'm just going to tell you, I just want to go and warn you, because I know some of you are like still waking up, right? Here, here's what you need to know. This brother is the most intense excited individual I have ever met in my entire life. I just want to go ahead and warn you, grab your pen and just, you just start counting the number of times he says, get fired up. That's his trademark or, or awesome or awesome. I mean, he loves that word. He, this guy, I've never seen, I've never seen anybody so excited as Joe Sangle, but here's, here's what I know. I love people who are excited about the gospel. Like if the gospel doesn't excite us, nothing will. Amen. So he is, he, he, to use his phrase, he's fired up. He comes ready to preach today. I'm so excited that he is here. He is a Clemson graduate. Mm. Mm. Y'all know I did my undergrad at the University of South Carolina, but really it's not just mm for me. It's mm for all of you. Because if you're a Wolfpack fan, they put a shellacking on you yesterday. If you are a Carolina fan... They put a shellacking on you last week. I, I mean, he, and, and he is proud of it, but I just stole his thunder. So he, you might not even have to do that because, bro, it wouldn't be good for you to get up here and start talking about that. So I did it for you. Uh, <laughs> but here's the deal, man. He loves the Lord. 
He's so passionate about Jesus and his church. And God is so using this man right now in the local church. I believe he is anointed for such a time as this to lead churches through seasons that we are in. I've told him that you are one of the best congregations to speak to on the planet. And I told him that because I believe it. You are, you are, you're so friendly and open and you just love the word of God. You just love the preached word of God. So the Bible says give honor where honor is due. And the Bible says give double honor to those who divide and open up the word of God for the people of God. So New Hope, do your thing and give it up for Joe Sango. Get fired up. Fired up, brother. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Who's fired up to be in church today? You may be seated. I'm so excited to be here in this unbelievable moment in time in the history of New Hope Church. I want to thank Pastor Dr. Benji Kelly for allowing me the opportunity to be able to invest in you today. And I am fired up. And if somebody says, how fired up? The answer is that fired up. Okay, so, hey, listen, there's one thing that I know, that an incredible opportunity is in front of every single one of you at every campus starting right now. Did you know that? There's an incredible moment that's happening that hope is rising up. Everybody say hope rising. rising. I'm serious. Like the best is yet to come. And I've discovered that there's a tremendous opportunity right now at New Hope Church to link arms with the Holy God and the vision and mission he's put you upon. And today, I am so pumped and fired up to talk about it. And so we're going to talk today about a kingdom return. A kingdom return. In fact, I'm going I'm to use the magic screen here and it says a kingdom return. Now, many of you attended a class that I taught here last February. I came back in March and I got to participate in so- snowpocalypse or snowmageddon. Do you see anybody remember that? Oh yeah, I was here. I got to stay an extra day because of that. And I get to teach about personal finances, how to have a budget. You do have a budget, don't you? Some of you did not answer yes in the affirmative. Some of you answered yes, but you didn't practice integrity and truth-telling in church this morning. You meant, yes, I'm going to this afternoon, Joe. I talk about having a budget, getting debt free, uh, saving money, and I talk about investing. And today, I'm going to talk about a kingdom return on investment. It's an incredible thing that we can think that we can have a kingdom size return on investment. And so I wanted to start with some scripture here. We're going to read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 14. We're going to read it, and we're going to see what we can discover in this scripture. It says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God must be a farmer. Okay? And it says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Did it say what Joe Sengel told you to give? Did it say, you know, what somebody else told you to give? No, it says you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Absolutely. Woo! And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in sometimes, all, all, every now and then. No, it says in all things at all times, having 
all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is good. And, and it says, as it is written, they have freely scattered, scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is good. Okay, it says this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's good. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. So what does that lead us to? Is point number one, and that is God is an investor. God is an investor. He speaks investment language. It's, all, it's always awesome when you can start talking about investing, right? Your 401k, your 403b, your Roth IRA, your simple IRA, your regular traditional IRA. You might have a TSP of 457. Some of you think I'm speaking in tongues right now. But it, it's awesome to talk about in a return on investment. Now, some of us, we've experienced um, maybe uh, over 2008, 9, and 10, does anybody remember when the recession hit and it was like a hockey stick down? Does anybody remember that? Your 401k turned into a 201k and then into a box of special K. Does anybody remember that? Do you have a witness? Right? That, that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about an investment that goes up and God is an investor. He speaks investment language. Let's think about this. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's a cause and effect here. And this really connects with me because I'm a gardener. I love gardening. Every year in the early spring, I, I start planting seeds all over my house. It drives my wife nuts. I had the, the seed heat map, the, the heating maps. Some of you know what I'm talking about, where it makes sure that the temperature of the soil is at the right temperature. I put these special covers on them. There's grow lights in my house, and maybe the ATF is investigating because the blue lights are coming out of my house. I'm only growing legal plants. But I'm, I'm growing them, and the reason being is because I, I love this. But there's, there's some connection for some reason. I love these plants. I love them. I do. I love them. And I remember each year I would plant my garden and I would plant the seeds just far apart. I would just separate them because I, if they all sprouted and they were too close, I would have to like pull some of them. And that hurt my heart. It did. But here's what happened. Through the year, some of those plants would die. And as harvest time came, I would have a very sparse harvest. I was frustrated and I realized I was living, literally living this principle that whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So uh, listen, uh, after about three or four years of that, I just take the seed packet and I plant them all over the place. I mean, it's just a whole row and I, I, I'm ruthless. I'll weed them out. But you know what I realized is when I sowed generously, when I 
poured in the seed in the ground, I've never once lacked an abundant harvest. God is an investor. He speaks investment language. See, we, we, we go on through this passage of Scripture. It says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And there's this moment with hope rising where you have a chance to receive a kingdom return on investment. And it's something to be joyful and cheerful and, yes, fired up. If your kid can notes, just check the little straw. Just keep notes on how many times I said fire. You can be fired up about. See, God is an investor. It says, now he, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. See, God invests in us. He has given us resources. All of us got here somehow. At all the campuses, you managed to make it there. If you're watching online, you've been able to buy internet or borrow your neighbors because you figured out their password. (laughs) Somehow or another, you've been able to invest resources that God has given you. God gave them to you. He invests in each one of us particular gifts. He gives us financial resources. He gives some of us the gifts of leadership, others the gifts of administration, others with the gifts of care. But what I know is God has invested in you to be able to be a blessing to others. God is an investor and he's able. And here's why he does it. It's so that you can scatter your gifts to the poor. It's so that you can reach people that are far from God. God is an investor. We, we continue, it says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, what will he do? He will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, if we invest the seed in the ground, if we pour it out generously, we will have an abundant harvest. It's incredible. And so here it says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. See, the reason God invests in us is to see us be great managers, to get a tremendous return. Why? So that we can be generous on every occasion. You see, what I know in my life is I used to be broke and praise the Lord, now I'm not. I had an average bank balance of $4.13. And I celebrated because it was positive. My wife was not celebrating. And I had a spiritual gift of making my money disappear. Some of you have that gift. You need to pray for deliverance. But here's what I've discovered in my life. When I was spending everything God had given me on me, I had no harvest. When I got my finances in alignment with God's word, and I started aligning it with God's investment language... And being generous on every occasion, God continued to pour out blessing upon me so much that I cannot contain it. Are there any witnesses in the house today, New Hope? Come on, somebody can be fired up about that. There's hope rising in the building. God is an investor. Somebody say it with me. The best is yet to come. Let's say it. The best is yet to come. That's awesome. Okay, so let's finish this up here and we'll go to the next point. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God. It's a kingdom return. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. 
It's an incredible thing that God is an investor. See, the second point I wanted to share today is that giving is investing. Giving is investing. Did you know that? Like, let's think about this. If you give money to some place, a nonprofit to the church, you're investing in that. Is that right? You're saying, I believe in that mission. I am investing that money. Because you could have used it somewhere else. Is that right? And so when you put that money into that organization, you're expecting a return. Maybe it doesn't affect you personally, but you're expecting a return. And giving is investing. In fact, we see here uh, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Remember the 401k to a box of special K? Yes, it's uncertain, right? And, And it says, but to put their hope in God. Can we go back one here? We're going to go back one. Put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for, my, for our enjoyment. Giving is investing. And if you're thinking in investing language, there's really three things that you should consider. And New Hope, today I want you to consider this as you consider investing in hope rising, okay? Let's go look, put it in, in, uh, in uh, good language of characteristics of a kingdom return. The first thing is ROI, return on investment. Return on investment. If you're an investor and you're sitting down with an investment officer, a broker, right? And I have a joke with that, right? You know, my broker helped me get broker. (laughs) Has anybody had that story? No, I like my broker. I don't know why they have that name. But anyhow, uh, you expect a return on investment. If you're getting ready to make an investment, you would like to know what is the potential return on investment. Is that right? I I want Like if I'm going to invest money in something... As a steward of what God has given me, I would like to see a return on investment. So let's talk about it, New Hope. In 12 years, New Hope has grown from five people to more than 5,000 people in 12 years. So let's put that in money sense. If you invested $5 12 years ago and it would be worth 5,000 today, is that good? I'm just asking questions. But now, we talk about a rate of return. That could be a 7% rate of return. Is 7% good? Well, what about 12%? Would that be good? What about 20%? Well, let me tell you, New Hope, and this is why I'm fired up. Five to 5,000 in 12 years is an annualized rate of return of more than 59%. Is that some ROI? Hey, is that ROI on every campus? We can be fired up about that. That's some tremendous return on investment. There's salvations in the thousands. Baptisms in the thousands. Thousands are being discipled. Thousands of people are in small groups. They're being reached. They're being taught. And they're being released. There's reaching. There's teaching. And there's releasing happening in the house. That's ROI. But here's the deal. Whenever you invest in the stock market, whenever you do an investment... The SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, demands that investment officers share this statement with you. They make you say this statement. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Has anybody heard that? Wouldn't you love to say that? 
Like when you like to say that you own a restaurant, right? And you, they come in, we're, they're expecting a good meal, and you, they get a bad meal. And you're like, hey, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. How would that work for you in your restaurant? Wouldn't work very well, right? But our investment guys, they get to say this. But here's, here's what I've discovered. See if you've discovered this in your life. God has an investment statement. Are you ready for it? Here it is. It is God's past performance guarantees. Woo! Somebody get fired. Guarantees. Guarantees future results. Is that right? See, because God blessed my family before I was ever born, that I, listen, I can take that faith of how God has blessed my family and I can take the confidence that he can do it for me. See, I can take confidence in seeing him do it in another person's life and believe that the same God can do it for me. Is that right? Listen, the doctor said that my wife and I couldn't have any more children. The doctor said because of ovarian tumors that happened three different times and laid my wife flat on her back for six months at a time and blowed up our finances. The doctor said it's not possible to have more children. But God said, I'm still God. I still work miracles. And there's a baby. And four years later, there's another baby. My house is louder, y'all. God's past performance guarantees future results. We can say goodbye to the SEC. Hey, we've all had bad investments. I remember investing in Conseco Insurance because my Indiana Pacers played in Conseco Fieldhouse and their stock went down. So I said, it's cheap, I'll buy some. The next day it dropped in value by half. I'm not kidding. So I bought more. I'm not kidding. The next day, bankrupt, zero. I'm still getting over it. See, past performance does not necessarily guarantee future performance, but God's past performance guarantees future results. Somebody can take that as a promise today and say hope is rising. The best is yet to come. Return on investment is going to happen. Okay, the second thing that happens when we look at an investment is we want to know the risk. We want to know the risk that's involved. What is the risk? What are, and we don't say, what are the chances we'll make a huge gain? We say, what are the chances I will lose? We don't want to lose. We hate losing. Like we like winning, but we really, really hate losing. And so we want to know the risk. Now, listen, in my life, I've taken risk before. You have too. You drove here today. You drove. Every campus you drove. That was a risk, right? A calculated risk. I get on these thin metal tubes all the time. They're called airplanes. And on some of these, like 757s and that, they'll tell you the outside temperature when you're at cruising altitude and it says minus 45 degrees. And there's about that much metal between me and that. I take a risk. It's a calculated one, right? Listen, I used to take a large risk driving my car. When I was young, I had an identical twin brother, and we combined our money, and we bought ourselves a 1981 Datsun B210. Some of you don't know what, you weren't even born in 1981. But I was, you know, we bought this 1981 Datsun B210. If you don't know what that looks like, Google it right now. It'll bless you. I guarantee it, rust will be the primary color of it. 
And this car, like you've never, if you've ever drove a clunker, you've never been close to the Lord when you're driving it. You will pray through as you drive. I'm serious. It's like, Jesus, help me get there. And I got bought this car, and it was one of the original imports, and the engine would run forever, but the whole body would corrode around it. Does anybody remember these cars? Has anyone had one of these cars? And I, I was, I, when we drove this car, like literally one day we realized there was a hole in the passenger side floorboard. We could see the road. And then one day we crossed some railroad tracks. You know, sometimes it gets a little bumpy. And the entire dash fell in our laps. The whole dash. And so we crammed it back up there. And because we were broke, we tied it up with clothesline. And a short while later, the driver's side door stopped latching. So we literally rolled the window down and tied the door shut with the rest of the clothesline and went literally in and out of the window like the Dukes of Hazard. It wasn't nearly as cool as that show made it out to be. And the worst moment came when we were coming home from church one night. Um, me and my twin had been at youth service, and we were driving, and this is in the farm fields of Indiana. Get the picture. Like, no moonlight, just starlight. We're driving in the country. We're driving along the road, roaring along at like 40 miles an hour, because that's about all it would do. And we hit a bump where a culvert was over the road, and the lights went out. And a fireball this big came out of the hood, rolled over the top of the car, and the lights came back on. And we looked at each other and went, ah! And we kept driving. Have you ever ignored an obvious problem? That did not happen. That, didn't, that did not just happen. The second time that happened, we said, maybe we should check this out. It's a little risky to continue. And we realized that the battery holders, in keeping with the rest of the car, had rusted off. When we were hitting bumps, it was bouncing out, arcing out on the metal hood and igniting a leak in the fuel line. So guess how we, we fixed the leak in the fuel line? Duct tape, baby. Yeah, we did. You know I did. Woo! Now, I took that risk. That was risky. That's a risk. But here's what I know. A kingdom return is guaranteed when you invest in what God's into. You see, hope rising is a huge next step for this church. People won't be reached for Jesus if we all at every campus do not unite together and invest in what God is doing. There's a kingdom return that will be missed of people having their lives transformed forever for marriages to be restored. That's the risk. That's the risk. You see, it says right here in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. It says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, the risk if we don't invest in hope rising is so great. But if we invest into what God's into, we have a guarantee of a result. You see, Jim Elliott said this amazing statement. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Is that incredible? I want to say that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot 
lose? What can you not lose? A kingdom return on investment. It's incredible. See, the third thing that you look at with an investment is you look at diversification. We look at ROI. We look at risk and diversification. Diversification is a great word. We hear it regularly when it comes to investing. I've got the Investopedia definition. I want to share it with you. It says diversification is a risk management technique that mixes a wide variety of investments within a portfolio. It's very exciting, isn't it? Thrilling. But here's what I've discovered is that there's great diversification that is happening at New Hope. See, Ecclesiastes 11.2 tells us this great investing language. It says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. So I, I believe that New Hope has applied this verse. See, you've invested in the central campus. Is that right? You've invested in the Garner campus. Is that right? You've invested in the Sanford campus, the North Raleigh campus, the Columbia campus, the I campus. You have a prison, women's prison campus. You have a Kenya campus. You even have a coffee house campus. If I add all those up, that's more than eight. Get fired up. See, see, New Hope is diversifying and reaching this world for people that are far from Christ with the life-saving and life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Get fired up. Diversification is happening. But the, here's the third point I want to share today, though, is that there is no harvest unless you first invest. Think about it. If you don't invest, there'll be no harvest. What if I was a farmer standing at the edge of a, a field? And uh, it was the springtime, and I was, I was praying for God to deliver a harvest. And I fasted for 21 days. And I was hungry. And I was praying. 21 days. I fasted for 21 days. And I stood at the edge of the field. And I said. Oh sovereign Lord. I'm praying for an abundant harvest Lord. I, I send it on down Lord. I receive it. But I didn't put. I did not invest any seed in the ground. What's going to happen in that field? Could God make an abundant harvest happen? You know he could. But he's going to say, this fellow has forgotten the principle of sowing and reaping. You see, there's a better chance of magical unicorns showing up in your backyard than having a harvest without an investment. That's the truth. You see, God is clear in his word. There's no harvest unless you first invest. You see, let's, let's walk through what that means this morning. You see, there's really three stages of kingdom investment. When I see people investing, I really see people walk through three steps. And the first one is stability. Stability is where an individual says, God, I've kind of managed it on my own. I've pretended I've been the owner. And I kind of looked at my life and I said, my life is a business called Me Incorporated. Let's say it's your business. It's you incorporated. And you kind of looked at it and you're like, you know, if you are the manager of a business called you incorporated and you're managing money the way you are right now, should you fire you? Yes or no? See, stability is that moment when you fire you and recognize that God's the owner. See, this is where you start saying, you know, God, you've blessed me with some. I'm going to have a budget. I'm going to make sure that I avoid unbelievable amounts of debt. 
I'm going to make sure that I'm investing and I am going to invest in kingdom work. This is where you see someone start giving. They start giving. They start testing God. That's stability. The second stage that we see people move through is surrender. This is where they say, God, everything I have is yours. And I believe that I'm going to put you first because the word first fruits is mentioned 31 times in the NIV. That you want to be first. 30 times in the King James Version, the word first fruits is mentioned. 33 times in the ESV, first fruits is mentioned. And I'm going to put you first. And this is where an individual begins tithing. You see that the person is giving 10% first. They're, they're putting God first. They've surrendered it to him saying, I can go farther with giving the 10%, the first fruits, and your blessing on the remaining 90% than if I manage all the 100% by myself. Are there any witnesses to that in this house today? See, I, I, I discovered this in my life. This happened in my life in 2002. That's when that happened. And the third stage that I see people go to, and that is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And this is where you say, God, everything I have is yours. And this is where you say, I, I've been saving up for something that I wanted. I, I wanted to redo the kitchen. But God, there's an opportunity for kingdom investment. And I'm willing to sacrifice that so that the kingdom can advance. Have you ever been there? Hey, I've been there. I'm preaching as one who knows. It's where, hey, I want to replace this car this year. But I'm just going to drive this one for a little while longer. Because there's an opportunity for a kingdom investment. I'm willing to sacrifice it. And while... The word sacrifice isn't a beloved word in America. It is laced throughout scripture that those who sacrifice for kingdom investment are the ones that will reap an incredible kingdom return. So my question today is where are you at in these stages? Are are you at this point where you're saying, you know what, I need some stability like I'm parking my car in a different spot every night because the repo man cometh in the King James Version. Hey, and that's reality. And it's time to seek God's word and seek stability. Begin giving. And then there's this moment of surrender saying, I'm going to start tithing. Because ministry is growing. We're 59% annualized rate of return. That's going to necessitate. Hey, there's a lot of people with hurts and hangups. We've got to invest in them. And then there's sacrifice. And that's hope rising that's saying that together collectively as a church that 8.6 million dollars would be collectively sacrificed to make this next step of the vision become reality because the the stakes are too great not to and here's my prayer for new hope this is my prayer this happened when moses built a church they're building the temple and this moment happened and i'm praying for this to happen at new hope It says that they kept bringing, people kept bringing so many gifts that Moses finally had to tell them to knock it off. Look at this. It says, then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. Can you believe that new hope? A church leader saying, we enough right now. Can you imagine that? Watch this. And it says, and so the people were restrained from bringing more Because what they already had was, say these three words with me, every campus was more than enough to do all the work. 
That's my prayer for Hope Rising. There's, do you see the names on the walls and on the boards? As I watched the messages in preparation for being here, I saw you writing names on the walls last week. It was one of the first things I did when I got here this morning was to walk around this central campus and see the names. And I saw my entire family, all these different names written down. I saw Benji's dad. I saw that. But the moment I was broken is when I saw a two-letter name. It said, me. Me. That's why hope rising matters. You're reaching the me, the person who's walked in this door who was hopeless. You see, there's, there's this question that always happens in a growing church is, when are we going to stop building? When are we going to stop needing money? And that's a question always asked in a ministry where God is moving. The short answer is never. The next building campaign is forever rebuild. And I'll never forget seeing a, a, a pastor who was going through this. And somebody was, you know, griping. Hey, we keep growing. How come we keep growing? And he got a letter from a lady. And he read the letter. I've never forgotten. This is how the letter went. The letter went, Pastor, I I hear the the burden on your heart. You know, that people are kind of complaining that it continues to take money to grow ministry. And I want to tell you my story. You see... My husband and I, we could not have children, and we begged God for a child, this lady wrote. And she said, we prayed for years, and finally God heard our prayer and blessed us with a child. And from the moment we knew she was on the way, it cost us money. Somebody say amen. We started buying stuff immediately, and it cost us money, and then she was born, and it cost us even more money. And then she grew like a weed, and she cost us even more money. And she was cute. And as she went into school, she started getting into sports, and that cost money. And then we got into traveling sports teams. And that cost even more money. Can I get a witness? And, and then, then she turned 16, and she wanted a car. And that cost money. And then we needed to buy braces. And it cost money. And then she turned 18, and we celebrated. And then we realized she was going to college. And that costs even more money than ever. And after four years, she graduated. And it was incredible. And it cost us tons of money. And about a year after, we got a knock at our door. And it was a police officer saying, we regret to inform you that your daughter has been killed in an accident. And she wrote to the pastor, she said, you know, pastor... From that day forward, our daughter has not cost us one dime. She said, Pastor, the reason it takes money, the reason why it requires sacrifice is because only living things cost money. It's only the dead that costs nothing. Get fired up. Hope rising. The reason you're investing is because there is life in this church. There is life in this place. And I want to challenge you with this. New hope is living. And it requires a kingdom investment. But you're guaranteed a kingdom return. 
And because new hope is rising, salvation is being given to the lost. And hope is being given to the depressed. And liberty is being given to the oppressed. And restoration is being given to the broken. And healing is being delivered to the sick. Do you believe it today in hope rising? Because new hope is rising, people far from God will meet Jesus. The names on the walls will have their lives forever changed. And it will be because you, new hope, joined together and you made a kingdom investment. And you yielded a kingdom return. And as I prayed about this message, I wanted to leave you with this in the confidence of this. That for everything I've mentioned today, New Hope, it is for these reasons. And it is why I can say with confidence that I hope you will join me in saying, the best, say it with me, the best is yet to come. Hey, New Hope. I'm praying for you. I'm praying as you sacrifice to take these next steps that you will see a kingdom return. And as I depart today, I hope that you will watch this video of a lady named Molly who has been on this journey from stability to surrender to sacrifice. And as you sacrifice together, you will see hope rising and indeed say the best is yet to come. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.